be, this might be stating the obvious, but we do love a good wine. And today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Different Drop. Yes, Different Drop actually converted me into a wine drinker and their site is super easy to explore and they deliver fast. Oh my God, I'm all about that fast delivery, girlfriend. Well, Peachy fam, we have some amazing news for you. We have a collection of wines that you can get 15% off when you use the code PEACHYVINO. Just head to differentdrop.com forward slash peaches, enter the code and thank us later. Then every month that went by, you got bigger and more beautiful and I was just swimming in semen yet could not get pregnant. Then this nurse like knelt down beside me and held my hand and she said, sweetheart, if you die, the baby dies. Like well, there's something really wrong here. So we have, and that kind of like snapped me out of it. You're listening to The Peaches Podcast, a show by Tori Clapham and myself, Beck Chidiak. This is not a show about fitness. This is a collection of stories and conversations with some of the most inspiring people we know. This is The Peaches Podcast. Today's episode holds a very special place in my heart. This is Tori's birth story. Now, I believe that your birth story starts from the time that you decide that you want to have a baby or from when you fall pregnant, because it's the story of when we meet a version of ourselves we haven't met before, the mum inside us. If you know Tori or have been listening to the podcast, you would know that she's the eternal optimist, the glass is always full kind of gal. And this characteristic of hers was put to the ultimate test when her and her husband, Chris, decided it was time to start a family. T shares her fertility journey and how during that 12 months, she was confronted with the never-ending pregnancy announcements from those around her, including myself, her business partner and bestie, who fell pregnant unexpectedly only a few months after their journey begun. We talk about how our two worlds could exist and that we could bask in the joys of my pregnancy, yet still hold space for T's sadness and frustration when yet another period would arrive. And then it happened. T fell pregnant. Now, if I could have a list of all the symptoms of pregnancy, I'm pretty sure she ticked all of them off. Yet there was not one single day that went past that she didn't express her gratitude and love of being pregnant. Then at 16 weeks pregnant, T had the fright of her life when she had to have emergency abdominal surgery and was told that if anything were to happen, that she was just too early to save the baby. But you see, the thing was that this baby had already inherited her mother's strength and resilience and stayed strong a true testament to the women they are. Isabella entered the world straight into her mother's arms on August 1st, 2021. And as Tori says, cracked her heart open, knowing all along it was her. I know that Tori's fertility journey is just a drop in the ocean compared to so many others. However, I felt it was important to hold space for those at any stage of their journey. It's relative to you, It's your fears, your sadness, and we send you so much love. And for those about to birth, I hope this shows you that birth isn't all instruments, needles, and doctors. At the end of the day, on the other side of every labor, you will meet your baby. That's right. 
Hey girl. Hey girl. Thank you for having me on your show today. <laughs> so it's just us two today. It's really nice to be here with you. I know it is, isn't it? I'm loving this time with you. Me too. It's good. Yeah. Very excited about today's episode. Um, giving the people what they want. It's a big one. I'm yeah, and I'm I must admit I'm excited to share our birth story. Um, I'm very excited to be the one to do this with you. Wow, wouldn't have it any other way. No, you wouldn't. Should we start with our pet peeves? We should start with our pet peeves. Um, Give it to me. Soakers. So dish soakers. Yeah. So especially by the um, other half or if you've got rubies, um, there's always someone that loves to leave a soaker. And it's not just the ones that actually need to be soaked. I kind of understand that. Um, But it's the ones that really don't need to be soaked. But what really needs to be soaked? I'm sorry. When it's my turn to do the tissues, I'm getting the scrubby thing out and I'm just going to go to town on it. Giving it a scrub. Because the cook never cleans in our house, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Which basically means I very rarely do the dishes, which I love. I know. I actually choose to cook more (laughs) so I don't have to clean. Totes. Um, But I'm really good at trying to get as much mess out of the way so Brett doesn't have to... Do yeah, you much. don't want to leave them a bomb site. No, um, but there's always a soaker, even if it's just a little fry pan. And Chris does that too. Yeah, it annoys me for sure. Mm. It annoys like the whole dishes process. Um, if it's not done properly, like I'm really into making sure the element, like the stove top, is cleaned properly. Yeah, Brett's actually really good at that. Oh my god, Chris never does. No, that. and he gives like the bench top a good wipe down. Oh. It becomes like a work site. Oh, a wiper. Yeah, his wiper. Well, I mean, really, I'd, I'd probably prefer that he with a little bit of soaking own. on the side because, like, he uh, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he is not good at wiping the bench and it drives me nuts. Yeah, Chris doesn't really tidy up his mess. <laughs> <laughs> There's about four coffee cups. There's always with. a few coffee cups on his desk. <laughs> we love him. Um, Go on. Well, that's super relatable. Agree, a soaker is annoying. Mine is something that um, I experienced last week in a moment of need. I was a paying customer at a venue, a food venue, might I add, where it is technically illegal to not provide bathrooms for paying customers. I ordered our coffee and our pie and I was very sweet. And then I said, um, and where's your bathroom? And um, they said, oh, sorry, we it, it's for staff only. And I was close to wetting my pants be. Um, I had a baby 12 weeks ago, so Ooh. when I need to go, I need, need to, to go. go. And I was you're like, never good really? at holding. are you sure? Like, could I just pop? Yeah, I'm, you're right. I've yeah. never been good at holding no. it. And now it's 10 times worse. Yeah. Um, like I sometimes wear period undies. <laughs> just, just if I'm like going to be out for a while, you know, just to like, just to cover all my bases. Let's be real. Nappy bag for Izzy, nappy bag for yeah. mummy. <laughs> Anyway, I was very sweet and when they started to reject my request, I was like, oh, like really, could I just you know, just pop in and out for two seconds? And um, they said, no, like really, we can't let you. And I said, isn't it illegal though to have – to, have, to not let people use the bathroom. And they said, it's because we're takeaway only. So anyway, Are they takeaway only? Oh, COVID, blah, blah, blah. They had tables out the front. Anyway, I realised that I was going to get nowhere and I didn't want to cause a scene. <laughs> so I left and I was like, because they wouldn't let me use the bathroom. And he said, did you tell them you were pregnant? Because that used to be my go-to thing. All the time. Um, but I thought it might be a bit rich with a baby in a pram, like right there. You move on. Girlfriend very. didn't waste time. <laughs> anyway, this is where the story gets a little bit embarrassing. 
but I'm going to tell it. Oh, go on. I said to Chris, I'm going to have to pop a squat. Like, <laughs> like, there is no way that I'm capable of, like, holding in this pee. You popped a sober squat. With a child in a pram. <laughs> like, who am I? <laughs> Terrible. How embarrassing. So we were walking around leafy little streets and I was like, all right, this bush looks all right. And Chris was like, no, no, it's too exposed. And then we finally found this little sort of shrubby area with a car parked there and then Chris manoeuvred the pram. So I was squatting next to the pram, finally unleashed my stream and I was like, sweet relief. I'm just squatting on the street next to my pram. What what kind of mother am I? And then Chris goes, somebody's coming. And I was no. like, fuck off, you're joking. Fully thought he was just winding me up. And I said, are you joking? And he said, no, no. They're approaching. <laughs> I just kept pissing because I couldn't stop. Did you lean over looking like you're looking for something? I, um, he was like, they're going to be here. They're like, their footsteps away. And then I just quickly stood up, finished. And, and then I just bent over Izzy in the pram, pretended I was like checking her. And I think I, think I got away with it. Chris I mean, would have been mortified. But you know, it's not, have died. it's not fair because they have it so much more easier. Just whacking it out. They can pretend to lean against a wall. I've had Brett be – we've been in the car in, like, standstill traffic going somewhere. No, and Brett so has lucky. jumped out of the car, found somewhere to pee, and because it was just, like, bumper-to-bumper traffic, would go pee somewhere and then just, like, find me, you know, 20 metres up the road and just jump back into the car. Those lucky bastards. Lucky bastards. Well, I bought a Shiwi. We're really getting sidetracked here, but I bought a Shiwi before we went to Africa and it was That's the best right. investment. And then I really got to experience what it's like to pee like a man and I loved it. Did I fulfilled you, my childhood fantasies. <laughs> Peter the bad boy went to Africa. <laughs> So that's my pet peeve and there's my embarrassing story. Chris was like, I can't believe you're still doing this after all these years. But that's the far north Queenslander in me. I feel like we're going to have to kick off a little most embarrassing moment segment. Oh, (laughs) let's add. Okay. Or maybe like worst drunk thing you've ever done. Oh. That might might not be appropriate for the podcast. Oh, maybe. They'll they'll love it. They'll love it. Really ingratiate ourselves. Well, on a more romantic... story <laughs> with a happy speaking ending. of bladder issues speaking of bladder issues um we're here to talk about your birth story about our beautiful owl beautiful isabella um who entered the world on the first of august between your birthday and my birthday so it just i love that it happened that way it just feels like it's written in the stars that Chris, for the rest of his life now, had to celebrate the three women in his life forever. Tori's birthday um, is the 31st of July. Izzy was born on the 1st of August and my birthday is the 2nd of August. So it's pretty fucking Every year, special. It's going to be a Leo festival. Like it was already bad with just us two. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> our moment. Although Izzy can't come to our boozy lunches yet. No, no, no. <laughs> She'll be staying home. Um, But before we talk about the birth story, I want you to touch on um, your fertility journey um, because you were quite uh, open and vocal about what you were going through once you had been through it um, and it was an emotional roller coaster for you and I think it's really important for people to know that they're not alone um, because something big for you was that nobody spoke about their fertility journey unless it was the extreme. So you do hear about people's fertility journeys um, after, you know, two, three, four years, which is heartbreaking. Um, But then there's that kind of middle middle ground, that middle ground of those who kind of start out trying to conceive and just 
you know, aren't getting anywhere, aren't having luck. And and you feel like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And you have every test under the sun and then they tell you that everything's perfect, which is worse in my opinion because I actually really wanted them to just find something wrong yeah. with either of us because you know me, I'm a fixer. Like You if, like to have a job to do. If I've got homework, I'll go home and I'll do it. I'll fix whatever I need to mm. fix. But if there's nothing to fix, you just go around in circles. So you and Chris started trying to conceive at the beginning of last year. It was actually the year before. We actually started trying – um, right around his birthday, November, but we didn't really – we did that thing where we're like – See what happens. Yeah, but really, like, immediately we were kind of surprised that I wasn't pregnant. And then we tried again over December. And I remember um, before, like, New Year's celebrations, I was like, I should really check if I'm pregnant because if not, oh, girlfriend's going to have a few drinks. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when – I did the test before New Year's Eve, when, well, right before 2020 hit. Oh. <laughs> and um, Chris was like, oh, are you, are you disappointed? And I said, nah, like, great, I've got have a few drinks, like whatever. And then the next year we started to get really serious about it and pro- like in quotation marks properly trying, even though we knew damn well we were doing all the right things already. But mm. I honestly thought that I was just going to fall pregnant really quickly and it would be a breeze. And had you had any kind of like pregnancy, not scares, but never. like moments where you're like, oh, could I be pregnant? Like no. in the years, because you stopped taking, we stopped taking the pill together. Yeah, years um, ago. To kind of detox our bodies because um, I think I got the lump in my breast. And um, that was which, a wake up call for you. That was a wake up call for me. And you went to get back on the pill after your wedding. Or just before your wedding? Yeah, I've been off it for a few years. Yeah. Went back on it just before our wedding because I was like, I'll be damned if getting my period ruins yep. any of these celebrations because I did get painful periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I say I thought I would fall pregnant straight away, but actually in the back of my mind, my whole life, I have had a fear that I wouldn't be able to conceive. Um, but then when we started trying, I'm the eternal optimist. I was like, oh, I'm probably bloody pregnant already. And I wasn't. Um, and then, and I guess, first of all, like, I really want to say, and you've already touched on this, that I have not had a fertility journey. I I would say I've had a trying to conceive journey and Mm. mine certainly was a drop in the ocean compared to so many women, but I still think that my story is one to share so that it doesn't make other people who are going through the same thing as me feel alone. And also our dynamic was really interesting because mm-hmm. you fell pregnant accidentally mm-hmm. months into our journey mm-hmm. and it felt like you just tripped over Brett, yeah. Um, which basically – Which I did. did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> just tripped over that dick, <laughs> preggers. And I was like, wow, so fast. And obviously it was over the moon for you. But then it was this funny feeling of like then every month that went by, you got bigger and more beautiful – and I was just swimming in semen, yet could not get pregnant. And when she says swimming in semen, I have like endless photos of Tori's legs up. On in, the wall. <laughs> up on the wall. I was not jumping out of bed. I was making sure I was marinating. Yeah, marinating in Chris's <laughs> so semen. <laughs> I only saw the feet. So <laughs> don't worry. Um, but I mean, like, you know, the beautiful thing is that we we laugh about those moments now. Um, yeah. And, and I was even – you kind of have – if you don't laugh, you'll cry in it Which you too. did. You um, have to, yeah. And so you were very – I kept kind of asking like, you know, how how's your well-being and how's it all going kind of, you know, it, it was never really awkward for us. No. Um, you know, we're just supporting each other through 
both of our journeys. But um, I think I I wanted you were somebody that needed to get to the bottom of something. So it got to a point where month would go by, month would go by, and then what was the moment where you're like, okay, let's start and get some tests done. We started doing some tests probably maybe like five months into it, six months into it, um, just to cover all of our bases. Before we even started trying it, I'd had like a few things done in the past, um, just like, you know, your, your egg hormone levels, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Everything was great. Um, so we had some tests. We got Chris's semen checked because that's a really easy, non-invasive one to do. I had another round of ultrasounds, just making sure that I didn't have any uterine issues and everything came back great. Um, so then we just thought, well, look, everything's good. So we just need to keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, in this time, like six of our staff got pregnant, just one after the other, after the other. And obviously it was amazing for for them. Um, uh, but again, it all just felt, and I'm pretty sure it did, like for basically all of our stuff, they fell pregnant instantaneously and a couple of them fell pregnant accidentally which feels just a little brutal when you're trying your hardest. A little you know, kick you're just, in the teeth. You're just doing everything you can. And on top of um, having six pregnant staff, a pregnant business partner, you know, loads of my friends were pregnant. Um, also our clients, as you know, I'm a doula, so I literally help women birth. And Peaches really is a pregnancy fitness specialist studio um so there would be days it happened like three times which is just weird the first time it happened I was like that was a bit shit second time I was like right third time I was like come on I'd arrive at the studio in my two-week wait that bloody two-week wait which is always just like you're holding your breath it just feels like such a long time to walk around and not be sure and as I said before I'm the eternal optimist and I would have a million symptoms. I was like, my boobs are definitely That's sore. That's the annoying thing, right, is that the symptoms that you get for your period are so similar to the symptoms that you get yes. before you find out that you're pregnant. So sore boobs, pregnant, pregnant or period. Or period. You know, Moody, pregnant or period. Yeah. Hungry, pregnant or period. Yeah, and that feels extra cruel. Um, but every time I would convince myself I was pregnant, babe, I would even start bleeding and be like, Implantation. Yeah. yeah. I was forever optimistic. But yeah, I'd arrive at the studio in my two week wait, and a client would sort of come over to me and in hushed tones tell me that she was pregnant, which I love hearing. It's just, it's always such a beautiful moment. And I really love that um, we're a safe place for our clients to confide in us. So that is always really beautiful. Um, however, on three occasions, I then went to the bathroom before I taught and I'd started to bleed. And it was just this weird thing that kept <laughs> happening to me. I also think it's kind of like, I mean, this is a very shallow comparison, but when you're looking for a car and you decide you're going to buy the Toyota and everywhere you look, every time you're driving, you're sitting behind a Toyota. Mm-hmm. You look to the right, there's a Toyota. You park your car, you're next to the Toyota. When 100%. you're trying to conceive, I'm sure that you're brought to so much awareness of every single pregnant person. Everyone's pregnant. Everyone's around you. telling you they're pregnant. Everyone's asking you. When are you going to be pregnant? Everyone's saying, you'll be the best mum. You know, you're so good at this. And those questions never bothered you 12 months ago, two years before that. No, but when you're trying really hard, it it definitely, after a while, you're like, well, we're trying. Like, we're bloody trying and it's not quite happening. Anyway, um, it got to the November, so it was was coming up to a year and Chris Chris was like, "It's, it's almost been a year, like this, like, 
this is taking us a while. And it was on one of those occasions where I'd gotten my period and every time I would be like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's all right. It just is what it is. And then Chris would be like, it's okay, baby. Like, come here. And he'd just open his arms and he would just give me like the, oh my God, I feel quite emotional. I'm quite underslept. But he'd, he'd just always give me a hug and then the bat, you know, the barriers would come down and I'd have my little cry. And, and then we'd go and get a bottle of wine and we'd go to the dog park with Harry and we'd just have a glass of wine and just go, okay, well, it wasn't this month, but it might be next month. And mm. it was on one of those occasions where at the park and Chris was like, fuck, it's been almost a year. And he was starting to get a bit down in the dumps about it. And he also had a lot of friends in his life having babies, asking about it, all of that stuff. Um, and so we just decided we, it's time for us to try and get some help so we ended up doing the ovulation tracking through Monash IVF in mm-hmm. Bondi Junction and I cannot fault their service those practitioners and the women who work in like the admin and reception are so incredible they are so kind you arrive and you're in a pretty vulnerable state um, but the thing is everyone in there is in the same shoes like some people were like me just at the start like getting a little bit of help and some women are probably there after four rounds of IVF so you know you've got they're, they're used to dealing with women um in that really vulnerable stage of their lives and they do it with such care and um you know they all learnt my name straight away they just give you a big smile um it's a safe place so with the ovulation tracking, in case anyone is interested and feels like they might be looking for some help um, to conceive, you go every week and you get your hormone levels checked. So a really important factor in not only falling pregnant but maintaining a pregnancy is your progesterone level because that's what helps you to build up your uterine lining. Um, so they would check all of those levels um, and mine were great. Um, and then they basically tell you, when you're ovulating or when you're about to ovulate because you're going every single week. And so the first time we we did that and they're like, okay, have sex today, have sex tomorrow, have sex the next day, whatever. We did all of that. Um, and I really was like, oh, my God, like this is it. Like we've had all of the tests. They've told us exactly when to have sex. We've and done you were everything quite surprised right. at your ovulation day because – Well, no, this was the first time. The first time it was completely, completely normal, yeah. everything. So I was sort of ovulated a bit later in my mm. cycle and then we didn't get pregnant. And then um, – you know, I had an appointment that morning, you know, whatever it was, a week or two later, and they you, – you meant to go in and have a pregnancy test. Um, but I called because I'd started bleeding um, and I had I was sort of like, well, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. So I called and I was like, hi, um, it's Tori Clapham. I'm meant to be coming in for a pregnancy test today, but I've just started to bleed. And the woman was like, oh, sweetheart. And it was just, again, like when someone's nice to you, it's it kind of triggers more emotions. And she was like, look, just come in anyway. We'll check your levels. We'll, you know, we'll get you ready for next month. And um, the next month, it was Chris's birthday. And um, I actually ovulated early, which is really weird because, as I said, I normally ovulate late, but I ovulated on day nine, um, which – Honestly, they they may well have been previous months where I was like, it's too early for us to really bother, even though we were having so much sex. It was ridiculous. We were covering all of our bases. But there may have been a day on day nine where I was like, look, we're cool, like happy to have a break from the old <laughs> sex, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, we went to Salty's with you, yes. Brett, and had a couple of margaritas and, um, yeah, we conceived on Chris's birthday. 
So that's pretty nice. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's pretty fucking awesome. You were late to Salty's because you were at it, weren't you? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, totes. <laughs> and I, um, I do think that stress is a factor too. We'd have some pretty big business things go on last year, and not even the business side of things. The stress of trying to conceive in itself. Um, and you're definitely somebody that like you will blame yourself if something's not working, if yeah. something doesn't seem right, that same with the business. Like you're the first person. I just need to work harder. Yeah, I just need to work harder. And like you can't just blame stress. It's like the worst thing someone can say to you is like maybe you're stressed and when you relax it will happen. But cool. um, I'm trying to consciously relax. Yeah, but you were very much – and like, you know, you were angry and you had so many frustrations. Like I remember being in the car with you after – I think you would have actually been pregnant at this point. We – had just had lunch in Cronulla um, for Christmas with Kat and um, the Cronulla owner and Tori had like a full on just like moment in the car where she just, you just like burst into tears. You were angry. You were fucking over it. And I was sitting. Something had happened. I was sitting there eight months pregnant and you like were just so angry and in that moment I was just like fuck give this girl a fucking break like you was just surrounded and you were just sick of it you were just it was yeah I, I was enough was enough I was getting to that point um yeah. but I love that our dynamic like we've said before the two both both things can can exist like I can be happy for you and sad for me and you can be psyched for you and frustrated for me and I think it was um you know, we did really well to never have – like, I was never angry at you. No. Um, but I think that it, it's something that could easily happen. Like, we we live in each other's pockets mm. and your beautiful belly, the hunter <laughs> in there, just grew and you were just blossoming and it was so beautiful to watch. Um, but there were definitely days when that was hard as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, like, I'd come in where we're sitting right now in our office where we used to teach our lives, like – so many times right before I would teach live, I would start to bleed and you just have to put on a big smile and show up for your community. And um, and I think for anyone out there who is a me in the situation, it's also just being aware of moments. Like I would be sitting at the desk and I could feel, you know, Hunter kicking in my tummy, but Tori would be having a bad day. I'm not going to sit there and be like, come feel the, like the kicks. It's it's knowing like what your friend needs at that time. And then there would be days where Tori would come bouncing in and kiss that belly, kiss that belly, feel that belly, feel inspired by it. Like this will be you. Totally. Um, And it's just being conscious and just not talking about it all the time. But it's also having, of course, having tact, but also I must say that like I would have hated it if I wasn't included. Like, I'm still happy for you and I still want to celebrate your baby and I still want to rub your tummy and I still want to feel the – I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not five rounds into IVF. Like, I can't speak for women who've experienced – this is just my personal experience, Mm. but I think it – it's really important that um, we are included in celebrations too. Absolutely. So, anyway, we could talk about that all day, but got preggies. Got preggies. um, I've never just been – I loved being pregnant. I was just so overjoyed. And the hormones for me, like, I mean, I'm already a pretty up person, but I just, I there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't pinch myself. We were in this office when I told Chris yes, that I was pregnant. Right. I took a... Um, you took the pregnancy test at home. I took the pregnancy test at home at like five in the morning before I came in to teach a live. 
um, because my best mate Haley had said the day before, she was like, just you should do a test. Like you should you should check. And I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I got so over taking pregnancy tests. And I also you were aware that Monash were going to close for Christmas as well. Yep, they were going to close, but I was scheduled to go in that day. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like timing was tight and but I'd reached a point where I just didn't want to do any more tests they made me feel like shit and I'd also like stupidly be like well that's another 13 dollars you know chucking out that I don't know I hated doing them um because it was always so deflating um and I'd actually stopped doing them for a few months and just waiting started to wait to bleed but anyway I was like no I'm not gonna do it and then the next morning I woke up and I was like okay I'll just check and the only pregnancy test I had left was like this fancy one that I'd never used before (laughs) and I peed on it and it was flashing. Um, no, it wasn't flashing. It was just sort of – it was like digital. And then um, it started to flash the word pregnant. And I was like, what is that? And then I thought, oh, maybe it's like it flashes pregnant, not pregnant, pregnant, non-pregnant, and then it settles on one. Um, but then the word pregnant just stayed and the numbers one to two was below it, which means like one to two weeks pregnant. And I literally, I always thought that I'd have like a, an emotional reaction or something like that. I just looked at it, took a photo of it, <laughs> <laughs> then put it in the cupboard and closed the cupboard door. And was like, I, I think I li- almost self-combusted. I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to handle my emotions and we were running late to get to the office to teach the live. So I just put it in the cupboard. But then I took the second test and went into our spare bathroom and did another test without telling Chris. Didn't mention a thing. Why? I, I mean, I tell him everything, everything. We There is nothing that we I don't share. I'm like, I'm going to do a poo. I'm going to do a wee. He's like, thanks for updating me. I took a positive pregnancy test after a year of trying. And update him. And the same thing happened. The flashing of the word pregnant, then it stayed. And I was like, holy shit. And I just, I couldn't quite deal with it then and there. So I like got in the car and I was like, I'll drive. I was like zooming around to the office. Chris was like, you're chirpy today. And I was like, oh yeah, well, you know. And then still we, haven't told we didn't, well, we didn't have any time. Like we got to the office and I like launched into the live room because I had like five minutes <laughs> hit live. And I was like, good morning, teachers. <laughs> We're going to do a workout. And then afterwards I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell him? Am I not going to tell him? And then I thought, I just got this, I was terrified that it might not be true. I think I'd just taken that many negative tests. I couldn't quite believe it. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Monash because the appointment's at 10 a.m. anyway and I'm going to get it confirmed. And once it's confirmed, I'm going to find like a really beautiful way to tell him, you know, something romantic. And um, (laughs) Chris was trying to fix something on the Peaches Instagram and he had to download a form and he was using my phone because my phone's like the master account and the form would download to your photos. So he's scrolling through my photos and I'm staring at my phone being like, there's a photo of a positive pregnancy test there. Like, when's he going to notice it? His, his finger's like hovering <laughs> over my phone. His finger hovered over the actual photo <laughs> and he didn't press it. And I was like, has he seen it? He must have seen it. So then I just clicked on the photo and it opened up and it, you know, it was the pregnancy test. And he was like, oh, did you check? As in like, you've checked and you're not pregnant. And I was like, yep. And he sort of stared at me and looked down and he saw that it was positive and then we both oh. burst into tears and it was just, it was kind of funny. I was like, didn't you notice it? He was like, oh, my mind was on one thing and it was just that form. Like I, I didn't even notice that there was a pregnancy test photo. So then, yeah, um, I went and 
had a blood test at Monash and they confirmed the very next day. They were like, yep, you're 100% pregnant, your hormone, you're like, everything looks good. Went back the next week um, just to check my HCG levels because it was really, really early and they were soaring. And I think I hadn't, yeah, so I hadn't had the second test. So this is the other thing telling you I was like oh my god can't wait to tell B um and I'd organized a little surprise baby shower lunch for you and um when I found out I was pregnant and I was like man she's going to enjoy it so much more now because I know that there were days where you just felt guilty is probably not the right word but just like you know it's we're celebrating you and I actually had come to terms with the fact that you'd actually birth Hunter and he would well, we didn't know it was Hunter, but I, I thought, well, Beck's going to have her baby and I still wouldn't be pregnant yet and that's okay. And I'm, I'm, I've dealt with that and that'll be fine. But um, you came over and then I think you thought you were coming over for something. You thought we were having lunch, but then I was like, surprise, we're like, you, you know, all these people are coming. And, um, of course, we were like, Chris, take a photo of us. And I'd said to Chris before, like, we should tell her, but, like, let's try and capture the moment. That um, moment, I'll, like, cry even thinking about it. It was really beautiful. We posted it on the Peaches Instagram. We'll probably um, just keep reposting it every year. Every year when it comes <laughs> up. But basically Chris was taking a photo and he would say, say, hey, which is your partner Brett's trick to looking good in a photo. <laughs> FYI, if you're feeling unphotogenic, say hey when you're smiling. Not just hey, you've got to say Hey. hey. <laughs> Works every time. So Chris was like, say, hey, hey. And then he said, say, Tori's pregnant. And you just lost it, your face. <laughs> I literally felt like my pregnancy was complete. Um, it was really hard watching you and being pregnant at the same time. Um, <laughs> God, here we go. Um, and... I loved every bit of my pregnancy, but watching you try to conceive made my pregnancy feel like something was missing. And it wasn't about us being pregnant together so much because that's the fairy tale of friendship, right? But um, it was just seeing you so sad and going through a roller coaster of emotions and like just you wanting something so much that means so much to you that I had and I couldn't give to you. Like, that was something I could not give to you. Like You couldn't fix it. And you are uh, such a fixer to all your friends. Uh, and that's just something I could not could not fix. And I remember the moment you told me I literally felt as light as a feather. It was just like, <sighs> like I can breathe for her. Like everything's right in the world. And even if that pregnancy hadn't gone to how like the fairy tale story. You, I could get pregnant. You could tell me that you got pregnant. And, like, I know that's something that, like, from someone who can have a baby, carry uh, carry a baby, have a healthy baby, and it's not something that people want to hear. But just hearing you say those words was just – it's all I needed to hear, like, that you were pregnant. And um, It was so special. It was so special. It was just – and I'm so glad we have that memento to show yes. Hunter and Izzy. I love that day. we have our moment recorded, but you and Chris <laughs> Chris found <laughs> – found it in the office at <laughs> bloody seven in the morning. Let's um, get into a little bit about your pregnancy. So you had the the typical morning sickness <laughs> that kind of followed you um, throughout your pregnancy. Like yeah, it didn't, I vomited a, like a lot. Yeah. And it didn't really – like I, I was spewing. I mean I spewed in labour. But um, it definitely settled but I was pretty sick. She um, was glued to a blue bowl. 
I used to bring it to the office. And I was disappointed that it had to be bright blue. I was like, can we go for something neutral if it's <laughs> going to be following you around? Chris would like put it in his backpack if we went somewhere. We, I bought it with us everywhere. Yeah, I was, I was pretty sick. The amount of times I was like doing a live class or filming something and having to spew before or afterwards or uh, during. Did a few recordings. I did this thing for Bonds and I literally had to pause and spew and, and come spew. back and edit out. We were good at that. <laughs> You had the same. God, we spewed a lot. So, yeah, so I was pretty sick, um, but I didn't care. I was on cloud nine. I felt as sick as a dog, but to me it was a sign that my hormones were raging and people say it's a sign of a healthy pregnancy and I would just literally spew and be smiling as I spewed. I I couldn't – I just – it felt like a dream come true to me and I – I just loved it. I, I've always been drawn to pregnancy and women and babies. I'm a doula. You know, it's such a big part of my identity. Um, but then I did have some um, pain. And I remember you saying that you'd had bad gas pain. And then round ligament pain. Round ligament pain. And I was experiencing pretty bad pain. But I have a weird thing with pain where I never really know because you don't know what it what other people's pain levels are like. And so I have this thing where I'll second guess myself and I think, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. Like I don't want to be dramatic. But looking back, it was – the pain was bad. I was, I, I was actually struggling to stand up. When we're talking about Tori's <laughs> like pain threshold, Tori laid on a hospital bed in Mykonos um, without hardly any anaesthetic at all and had a giant abscess cut out from under her arm. Um, My armpit. Yeah, so they used <laughs> anaesthetic but – what happens if you have a highly infected area is that anesthetic doesn't work. It's something about the pH levels. So I felt every part of that. But that's a story for another day. Yes. We can delve into that. Um, so your pain, this is something that kept coming and going. It came, it, it came and went. And I remember messaging you and being like, so talk to me about the gas pain. Like how bad was it? And you were like, babe, it was fucked. So I thought, well, that's it then. And I can handle that so long as the baby's cool. I did at one point go and get a check. So I went to the early pregnancy centre because I wasn't officially in the care of the midwives yet. So I called them and said, look, I'm, I'm experiencing some pretty nasty pain. And they said, well, we, we can't see you yet. The best thing to do is go to the early pregnancy centre. I had a scan. The baby was fine. And the second that we saw that heartbeat, I was like, oh, cool. Well, this I can deal with this. If, if the baby's fine, then I'm obviously just having some discomfort. And... Um, you know, it kind of came and went and then it was midweek um, and I went to bed that night being like, man, I've got that bad gas pain again. I'm pretty uncomfortable. Through the night, worse and worse. And then I woke up at about three. How many weeks pregnant were you at this point? 16. Yeah. And um, I was like, no, nah, I'm – and all I could think was I've got to teach the live in a few hours. <laughs> so ever the responsible business owner, I walked out into the lounge room, opened up my laptop and <laughs> – typed into the Facebook group guys we're cancelling the live I'm really sorry and then I made sure that the when people logged in there was a message that said no live today and I directed them to another video to watch ticked all those boxes <laughs> came back in and Chris was like what are you doing I said oh, I've just cancelled the live and he's like okay but are you all right and I said well, not really and I sort of laid in bed and the pain just got worse and worse um and then we called um the midwives I still wasn't officially in their care I think it's 20 weeks that you get handed over to them and they said, look, if the pain is that bad, like the only th- option you have is to present to emergency. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be dramatic. But then it got to the point where I, I couldn't move, I couldn't walk. And then I started to get 
you know that pain when you're getting your period where it's like the only way I can describe it is like it's almost like your vagina is heavy. It was just – it felt exactly like I was about to start bleeding and when that sensation hit me, I just looked up at Chris and I was like, this isn't good. Like I was convinced that I was losing the baby and it was so, so awful. It was just – I – I don't know. It was just the worst feeling in the world. And, and I was really, really sick. I couldn't stop vomiting. We, I couldn't get get up physically. Chris kept trying to get me in the car and then I'd have to sit down. I thought I was going to faint. I've never been like a faint kind of person before. Eventually, somehow, we got me in the car. Um, the pain was unbelievable. And then we um, got to emergency and I, would, I just like collapsed onto the closest chair with my bowl and Chris went up and he's like, I'm here with my wife, she's 16 weeks pregnant. And they just rushed me through. And the second we got into a room, they were like, you could tell they, they thought I was losing the baby and they just said, okay, sweetheart, um, here's a button and I just need you to press that button uh, if you experience a rush in between your legs or if you start to bleed and, you know, someone's going to be here soon, we're going to look after you. And I was just – it was just – awful it was so sad and I was in so much pain but all I could think was I just I really just need someone to check my baby can please can somebody please check my baby and eventually someone came and they did a scan and the baby was heartbeat was there and like the relief was palpable I and then I was like well I'm I'm okay then I I was like oh cool um maybe you could discharge me and they said no you're not going anywhere we don't know what's wrong but you are you're not well my blood pressure was so low and they did all these tests and my white blood cell count was I think almost three times what it's meant to be so there was something very wrong but they couldn't pinpoint it um I didn't have the traditional um warning signs of appendicitis um but it turned out it was really bad appendicitis and it was very close to bursting um and there was sort of they were before they realised that's what – because the only way they could find out that's what it was was to cut me open. Um, And then they said, look, if we operate on you and the baby gets in distress, like we have to – like legally we have to tell you that if – like there's nothing we can do. If the baby dies, the baby dies because you're just too early gestation. And I was like, just do we have to do this? And they said – then this nurse like knelt down beside me and held my hand and she said, sweetheart, if – if you die, the baby dies. Like, well, there's something really wrong here. So mm. we have, and that kind of like snapped me out of it. So I was like, okay, that's what we need to do. But they were still, I mean, in iron because they didn't really want to operate on a pregnant woman unless they absolutely had to. By this point, we'd been in um, emergency for a number of hours and we were thinking, my God, like Chris has got to get home to Harry, our dog, and take him, let him go to the bathroom and feed him and walk him. And I said, look, I'm probably going to be here all night. Like if they do it, they might do it tomorrow. So Chris jumped in the car and left. And then the surgeons like stormed in 10 minutes later and were like, we're operating on you tonight. We, we cannot let this – you're getting worse. We cannot leave this any longer. So I had to call Chris and be like, I'm going in like now. So he rushed back and they wheeled me off. And, um, yeah, I was sort of just going in there with the knowledge of – I just – to have your abdomen cut into when you're pregnant with like doesn't make any sense and the how they're precious, going to do it. Yeah, and that pregnancy was meant more to me than anything. And Chris kept saying like you're putting the pregnancy before yourself. Like I need you to just like please you know listen to your body. Um, and it was pretty awful like <laughs> being wheeled away and 
Chris said that when he um, – God, I feel super emotional. I think it's because it's I know the baby who was like – is looking at her now, it just it's really triggering thinking back on that surgery because she was in there biting. And yeah, it just it really it makes me pretty emotional. But Chris said that, you know, they, they wheeled me away and then he because they had to wheel me from the Prince of Wales through like I'm literally on a bed being wheeled through the hospital into the public hospital, the Royal Women's, because I was pregnant. So they had to have like a change of care. So Chris went down in the lift and he's in this ward where like everyone's walking around with new babies and stuff and he just got to the bottom and he said he just sat on a bench and like just had to have a little cry because it was just so like everything happened so quickly. Um, so they operated on me and I w- it was very severe. They said my pelvis was full of pus. Um, when they um, – afterwards they had to leave a drain in to drain the remaining pus. And I remember when they pulled the drain out – it was like 30 centimetres long of drain. Like no wonder it was uncomfortable. But um, the surgery went well. I remember being in this weird in-between room before they took me into surgery. So they put me in this room right before they wheel you into the theatre and my pain was getting worse and worse and worse and I was pretty like, holy shit, okay, like now that we know that it's probably appendicitis, like can we hurry up because (laughs) I don't want it to burst. (laughs) But they had a woman who had to have an emergency caesarean. So they, I got pushed back. So I was just in this weird little room for ages and um, they were like, the, um, they came to me off. No, I'm getting a bit sidetracked here. Let me tell it in chronological order. So I had the surgery and then all my only request was the second it is possible, I need an ultrasound to and see that the baby is okay. And I remember they wheeled me out of theatre and I was like, did you just wake me up? And they're like, no, no, you woke yourself up in theatre. You've been awake for a while. I was like, oh, Okay. And this doctor came over and they, my stomach was pretty sensitive, um, but they, they, they put the ultrasound on me straight away and I kid you not, a little hand like waved. It, and I was like, am I hallucinating? <laughs> and the doctor was like, no, no, I can see that too. And it was just the most beautiful moment of like, thank God. Um, and then afterwards they were like, how are you walking around? This is not okay. Like you, you were that was a really inflamed. Oh, Beck's like, oh, it's just gas pain, love. <laughs> well, I was thinking, yeah, I can put up with this as long as the baby's cool. But looking back, there were so many warning signs and it just got worse and worse. And I was just being a workhorse and also just genuinely beyond elated to be pregnant that nothing was going to get me down. And mm. I just, the symptoms never bothered me. So then that was a bit of a, um, that was a bit of a roller coaster to recover from. The pain wasn't great and I wanted to get off the pain meds as soon as possible because I had a lot of guilt around medicating myself being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, removing the drain was really full on. I mean, look, I could go into so many details, but we haven't even gotten to the birth of Izzy. But the one thing I will say about recovering from that surgery was that I started to have really bad pain attacks. Um, it would often be at night. That's right. Really, really like I'm talking and I have a, I can confidently say I have a high pain threshold these pain attacks would take my breath away. I would wake up like <gasps> like every single night and Chris would wake up, oh, my God, are you okay? Like we, we went back to emergency probably twice. I had – How many ultrasounds do you think you I had? I had <laughs> so many ultrasounds, but personally I loved it. I, I was know. like, get that machine out and let me see my baby. It was like a weekly update of Izzy almost yeah. at one point yeah. where we were like, there she is again. Except it wasn't, we didn't, well, we didn't know for sure that it was no, her. We didn't know that um, it was but I did, I, I really, 
I um I felt so connected to my baby and I just and I I know you shouldn't gender a child but I was like it's my little girl in there I just felt so connected to that baby but I never said anything to anyone because I just I didn't want to I don't know how to articulate it, but I didn't want people to think if I had a boy that like I was disappointed because I wanted a girl or that it was about the fact that it was a girl because I was just so happy that there was a baby, but I just knew, I knew who was in there. Um, so anyway, yeah, we I had to have an MRI because there, there was concerns that there um, was leftover appendicitis or that there was something else going on. Um, so it was it was quite a rocky road and pretty severe pain but basically what it came down to was that I had a rapidly expanding uterus and I had scar tissue and my body was trying to heal while it expanded um and yeah it it was really really bad pain and it it sort of just slowly started to peter off yeah because you'd just get you'd be sitting in the office and you'd just get a little oh it was like being stabbed with a knife once it got to that end not the yeah the take your breath away kind of pain. And I think what it happened at night because my core would relax and that's when my body would stretch overnight when I was relaxed and my uterus would grow and my stomach would stretch outwards and with that stretching came the pain. Um, so when once those pain attacks started to peter off, I had about one week of complete bliss, finally had a bump, life was good. I was desperate to get a baby bump. I just think they look so Your bump beautiful. bump was very delayed and you never heard the end of it either. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your bump was she very – Should touch on that actually? People used to say nasty things to yeah, me. Yeah, and um, it's so shit that Why they are you do commenting? that. Um, so – Obviously, as you now know, Tori's journey to get to this is like what twenty weeks now we're at. <laughs> um, people would always comment on how small you are. Always, and honestly, it it never really offended me unless their comments were nasty. I I knew it was coming from a good place, and I was very happy to be preg- um, to be fit in my pregnancy um, because it it really helped me once my pelvis issues came into play and also through for, for birth but occasionally people would say something nasty like I remember being 34 weeks and we ran into my neighbor in our garage who had always been a little cold but since I'd been pregnant she was like oh like show me the bump and she's like how many weeks are you now and I said oh, I'm 34 weeks and she just kind of her eyes just went to my belly and she said you're very small and in my head I was like you reckon <laughs> I haven't heard that one before I couldn't leave the house without people telling me. Complete strangers, they find out how many weeks you are. And it just it's unbelievable how much being pregnant suddenly creates space for people to have an opinion. Everyone wants to talk about your body. And I'd never really experienced that before. And I'm not overly precious. Like I'm not one of those pregnant people who I was happy for people to touch my belly. I was happy for people to ask questions. I was just so in love with the whole process. But the neighbour, so she said, you're really very small. And I said, yep. Um, I'm really tall. Well, not really tall. I just said I'm tall. So I think, you know, I've got a long torso. That was kind of like my go-to response. And then she said, well, you really are like, you're very small. And I said, well, and I wish I hadn't said this, but I said, I think being fit helps. And then it's like, she thought I was some kind of, like I had some kind of eating disorder or something. Cause she said, well, just remember if she, and she pointed to my belly or whoever is in there starves. No. If, I got you, this starve, wrong. She if you starve, she starves too. 
And I just kind of politely laughed and said, oh, well, my husband calls me the hungry hippo because that's what Chris was calling me by then. He was like, my little hungry hippo. All I did was eat. And I got went up in the lift and I got into our apartment and I said to Chris, like, it's like someone just accused me of starving my baby. So inappropriate. To be fair, I felt like you were carrying Izzy in your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> they were expanding my And Lord. she's still there. <laughs> um, so let's move on and just touch on – your, your experience with pubic symphysis dysfunction don't want to get that wrong no no we've got to be um correct who cares what the layman terms are um look I could go on and on about that but basically I had issues with my pelvis uh pretty painful for anyone who's experienced it it basically prevents you from walking almost walking is really really painful what happens is the hormone relaxant um loosens your pelvis which is great it's designed to do that so that your baby can come through but some people for whatever reason those hormones rage a little too early and your pelvis becomes very unstable and the only way I can describe it is like imagining your pelvis just grating back and forth every time you walk because if you think about the movement of walking your legs are going side by side and it's just that That grating it also prevented me from doing any traditional pilates so I had to be so creative with my classes yeah I, I mean, was you've like, done a lifetime of horse kicks. Yeah, that's true. I could have a break from those. The amount of squats, the amount of, you know, resistance workouts I weaved my way in um, is pr- pretty outstanding. By the end of my pregnancy, I was like, I have nothing left. Like, I can't think of another class. I where I, I was trying do. to send you. Like, yeah, you were like, what about this? <laughs> nothing it. with a single leg. That's a nightmare for a Pilates instructor. Yeah. But we got there. We and We work. We actually, shout out to Emma Jackson, yes. our incredible physio, um, if anyone in the eastern suburbs is looking for a women's physio. Emma really helped um, Tori with her uh, pelvis during that time. Um, and she's she also helped me recover. So a little shout out to She's amazing. She is amazing. I went to Emma. Great when- internal rotation. Tori, <laughs> she internally releases your hips basically. And, um, and your pelvic floor. And your pelvic floor, your adductors. Um, and Tori would just like get really excited. I'd be like, I'm going to go get my vagina released. Yeah, and she'd like call me and be like, my vagina. Vagina is so much happier. Happier. Honestly, the first time she did it, I walked out and I was like, I've got a different vagina. My pelvic floor was way too tight. It was definitely causing pelvic problems. She was amazing. Massive regret of my um, pregnancy is not having seen a women's physio throughout my pregnancy. I saw her afterwards and recommended you. Um, I saw a women's physio at 37 weeks. Yeah, I I was like, can you see someone, please? (laughs) Um, And I did. She was like, whoa, you're tight. And I was like, all right, no. Off I go with that later. Um, so let's get down to let's the, get down to business to the birth. So so I um, was thirty eight weeks, and it was a Friday night. My birthday was the next day, and I went to bed that night feeling a little bit funny. And in the night, I woke up and I was like, "Ooh, period pain." Ooh, and I knew I was not going to go to 40 weeks or over. I was just like, there is, I just knew that I would have the baby a little bit early. You always said that. I said it the whole way. you also, because you said that in like true Tory way, you're like, well, I'm not, I can't go I to 40 weeks now. Like, now, early now I'm going to have to work on this. And like <laughs> about a week before you started or two weeks before you started, like slowly, because you're I like, I can't, colostrum. Pump, I can't pump too soon or like. Yeah, And then once you started doing the things, you were doing all the things and doing them like yeah. even with the colostrum, like you got so much colostrum out and that became your thing. You're like, 
sending photos of all this colostrum. I was thrilled because <laughs> my boobs were leaking for like yes. a month beforehand. I would just wake up and the, the sheets would be wet. And I waited till 37 weeks and then I was like, enough's enough. I'm saving this. This is liquid gold. So I got those amazing syringes and was harvesting the colostrum, popped it in the freezer. You bring it to the hospital when you birth um, in case you're separated from the baby for it, whatever reason. And I tell you now, I'm so glad I did it because w- before your milk comes in, it's a crazy couple of days and having that colostrum there to give her, even Chris could feed it to her, it was wonderful. Anyway, so I was doing all of those things and I woke up in the night and I was like, oh, 100%, this is period pain. Shit, I think we might be on here. Woke up in the morning, it was my birthday. I'd sort of been like barely able to sleep because to me it felt like Christmas morning when labour came. I was like, yes, it's happening. This is the moment. You, you described it as game day. Game day. I described it as Christmas morning. <laughs> so I woke up and I was like, said to myself, 100%, I can confidently say now this is definitely period pain and I know I'm in early labour because you don't want to get too excited and you don't want to tell yourself stories because the other thing is that can go on for weeks. Anyway, I woke up and I was like, let's have sex. It was my birthday. There was lots of, you know, it was it was a great day to go into labour because I felt really loved. I had a great orgasm. We were in lockdown, um, but we did go and um, – see some people at a distance in a park we saw two of our best friends in a park um and that was really special and the whole day I was like cramping um you know and I was like 100% early labor things started to get pretty intense that night we'd ordered all this like we ordered this absolute feast for my birthday because you can't we couldn't go anywhere or do anything this was like the peak of lockdown where people were really fearful it wasn't the end where everyone's having picnics and everyone was over it this was like no one went anywhere or did anything Everyone was quite anxious. Super anxious. And um, I could really, couldn't really eat the dinner that night, went to bed, and then at about 11 p.m. I was like, ooh, this is like I, I think I Game woke day. up, Chris, and I was like, <laughs> I think I need you to put the TENS machine on me. So I sort of pre-labored all day, got the TENS machine on through the, the rest of the night. The contractions got stronger and stronger. Um, called the midwife in the morning and they were like, cool, yep, you're definitely still in early labour. They just – they listen to you have a contraction and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're good. You're and, good. <laughs> um, we started the day off, like, the morning really nice and it was just so cool to know, like, I'm in labour, like, it's happening, we're, we're having this baby. So we had the blinds pulled and Chris put on this, like, we'd never played this music before, but he found <laughs> some weird yoga playlist which was, like, heaven. And we were just – you know, it was really relaxing and beautiful. And then after a while we kind of got over that and we went out into the lounge room and I was like playing hip hop and sort of getting into like an active labour and things were really starting to progress. I started to get sick, vomited nonstop, classic Tory, which was exhausting. Apparently though, vomiting is a sign of baby turning posterior. Yes. Which which is what happened to me and you. Which she did. Oh, and you know what? When the baby turned. Because we'd had lots of talks about posterior yeah yeah but I ever the optimist thought that I was going into transition because as <laughs> happened to the posterior baby the pain got intense and I was feeling that feeling in your butt to push and I was like oh my sounds change everything everything that happens that as a doula I know um that leads towards you getting closer to having the baby was happening and I thought oh my god like maybe like that's been a pretty fucked up day but we're here now I've done it like I can't believe it we're here I'm I'm almost on empty now I've been vomiting all day and this pain is pretty bad but I I think I've made it and I think they'll probably be telling me to go to the hospital soon so my 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 birth plan was basically that I wanted to stay at home for as long as possible because in an ideal world I didn't want intervention um as a doula I've seen 
every birth and all of them are beautiful and I always say birth is birth is birth. Um, I just really want to make that clear um, because I think that there's this whole thing around birth where people act like it's a competition. It was just a preference to me but I went in with no expectations. Um, So the midwife ended up coming to our house um, to check me and when he arrived we had Phil the midwife who um, works out of the Royal Women's Male Midwife absolute legends so cool I'm just I'm so stoked that we live in a world where we have male midwives now um and he isn't he the hot midwife too my sister-in-law yeah, he's pretty hot had male midwife and yeah, he's got like tattoos and long hair yeah 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 he came in she was like oh he's my midwife I think he bats for the other team though Check me. um which is a bit of a tease but yeah um he's like he's not what you think you want like you wouldn't necessarily think you wanted that when you're laboring you think you might want like a 60 year old motherly type but he's awesome yeah um so when I was in the lounge room he was like yeah you sound good sounds like everything's going the right way he said why don't we go we went into our bedroom and I laid down and he's like I'll check you see how dilated you are the second his fingers were inside me I knew I was so tight I was like fuck I'm when you're ready and he didn't even tell me how dilated I was he just said you've got a lot of work to do oh and that was when it was like that I was at a fork in the road and I was so exhausted and the pain was getting really pretty bad and I just thought I have to mentally toughen up now if I'm going to stick this out because it would have been so easy to be like enough no I'm done I, I cannot do this anymore So we stayed and we stripped it right back. He's like, you're doing way too much. You need to come back into this bedroom. You need to lie down. You need to try and move this baby. We have to try and move this baby. At this point, had you known if he had turned posterior? He said, she's, she's, because I said, I'd never had a doula client have this sensation before. Um, I kept feeling like my hip bones were breaking and I said, Phil, my, it feels like my pelvis is breaking. And he said, it's because of your baby's face pushing upwards at the baby's posterior. And I was like, oh, it's like Jesus. an axe. I described it as like an axe. Just like someone snapping Ugh. you. Awful, awful. And so Chris was trying to get me in this position. He was Googling all these things to do. And we, I was using the TENS machine like nothing else. And Chris was timing the contractions. And my contractions got to the point where they never really, they just led into one another. At one point, Chris was like, babe, I've had my timer on for 25 minutes. I'm I'm run like I don't know what to do. We stayed there for hours. It was so intense. We he I couldn't like all I could really do was be on my hands and knees. But Chris kept trying to get me to lie on my side with one leg over to try and move the baby. That I as you know, lying on your side when you're having a posterior labour was almost unbearable. I was like I can't. I physically can't do this. Just want to be facing forward. And leaning, yeah, leaning over, yes, forward, and just and just to have a second because my whole birth plan was not only stay at home for as long as possible, but to have those breaks in between contractions. Every birth I've been at, yeah, contractions awful, but then there's that break in between. You can have a conversation, break. You prepare yourself. It starts to come on, and you go, okay, it's sixty seconds or ninety seconds max, and then you get a break. No, 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 no. Posterior labor, and it's nerve pain. It's that nerve pain. Um, I was in the shower, I was out of the shower. At one point I was just lying in bed and my waters just went and I was like, oh, there are my waters, um, which was encouraging. I was like, okay, at least we're getting closer. Phil said before he left, um, you're not having the baby today, but you're having this baby tonight. 
And I hung on to that and I thought, I just have to hang out. And in my head, I kept saying, I hope it's like a reasonable hour, <laughs> not midnight, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Um, things got more and more intense. I said, help me to Chris. I don't even know how many times. I. The only thing that mildly gave me any kind of relief was him pummeling my lower back and hips, like putting so much pressure on me that I had bruises. He, he was amazing. I needed him next to me the whole time and he did not leave my side. He was the best birth partner. He, I could not fault the support that he gave me. And we reached a point where Chris was like, I, I'm running out. Like, I don't know what else to do now. I think we have to go to the hospital. By that point I was like, no, I'm, I cannot move. I will not go anywhere. And if you know Tori and she says no, (laughs) it means no. (laughs) Chris was like, you're getting in that car. And I said, I am not. And I said, you have to listen to me. I am not going anywhere. How's the animalistic like oh, voices? <laughs> Chris said, Chris said earlier on in my letter, he's like, babe, I didn't know you knew how to Mongolian throat gurgle. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> so it's raw. Anyway, he forced pants on me for some reason i'd been to this beautiful cashmere set by bed threads and i was like give me the drag pants and he's like you want to wear the cashmere i was like don't question me she's like okay 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 put on the cashmere are you putting on i don't know babe (laughs) well i had no pants on and i needed something Um, i went to the hospital no pants (laughs) but you probably had like a nice loose long shirt or something you know me um classic (laughs) so anyway we get in the car i i could barely get in the car um, I, Chris had to really, really fight me to get me in the car. And then when I had like this 10 second break in between contractions, I just walked out of our apartment into our hallway to the lift. And Chris was like scrambling with our backs. He's like, Oh, she's gone. Okay. I've said this before, but no one talks about like home hospital. No one talks about the in-between. <gasps> I wasn't prepared for the in-between. The like I was prepared for the moments at home, moments at the hospital, but like getting from A to B, getting the A B is fucked up, and the pain is so much worse in a car. Turning in a court, like turning a court, yeah. Anything. And we're very lucky living close to the hospital. It was a ten minute drive, if that. So you get. I to was the flung over the back seat of the car, <laughs> punching the pram which we had in the boot, ready to go, and um, every time Chris reckons he drove at like six kilometers an hour, I was like <laughs> slow down and every time he hit the brakes I was like stop doing that and he's like baby I'm really sorry I have to stop the car it's a red light we finally arrived at the hospital I was like fully pushing when we're in the car I was like I could not help it like the sensation was undeniable I thought I might have this baby in the car we got to the hospital we parked right out the front and I was like again refused to move I couldn't move moving was the most painful thing in the world Chris was like baby we made it please come on we're here can we please just come inside and I was like no <laughs> question with the pelvic um your pelvic sym- symphysis pubic symphysis pubic symphysis dysfunction dysfunction um do you feel any of that at this point like are you dealing with is that a thing now has that moved on like because of the walking or you wouldn't know Um, if it was it was just moving anything everything everything hurt moving hurt don't know if it was that could have been could have made it worse who the hell knows i remember um because i've seen so many births i know that you can check and you can feel the head and we got to the hospital we're at the front and i was sticking my fingers inside of myself really hoping I'd feel ahead and there wasn't one and I was like oh god damn it like I'm not I'm obviously not that close but it feels like I am I'm 
feeling the urge to push, which is a classic posterior labour. Anyway, eventually he convinced me to get out of the car and I was like unhappy about it. And then it was COVID time. So all of our appointments were – if anyone was at, went to the hospital during this time, you'll know that there's like all these desks right at the sliding doors of the hospital where you have to check in and you have to show that you've checked in. Luckily it was um, about 6.30 at night so no one was really around. I walked past and I had a goopy hand and I just looked at the women as I walked by they gave them like a death glare. Chris is like scampering behind me, holding my bag. He's and so I just polite. walked straight past. And Chris is like, sorry, um, she's having a baby. He always wants to do the right thing. They're like, just go. You just go. He's checking in. <laughs> he he would have. I bet you he bloody did. He He's a nightmare. checked in. Um, and then I flung myself behind this desk on the way to the lift and had some contractions there. And again, I thought, I will have this baby here. I, at this point, give zero fucks. I am done. And again, Chris is like, come on, baby, come on. And I was like, no, I'm not moving. <laughs> and this woman came up, this woman from reception, and she was like, you just take your time, sweetheart. And that was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. Had a few, um, you know, roars. I mean, it, it was one big contraction at this point, but just I don't even know how to describe it. Eventually they got me into a lift. And I feel they like tried, They tried to bring a wheelchair and I was like, I will Sitting down would be the worst thing in the world. It switches from the contractions and then when the contractions go, it's just nerve pain. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Maybe you get that like was. tense like urge to roar from the contractions and then when you're stopped, it's that constant nerve pain where you're like, yes. ow. Yeah. Ah to ow. And the – God, that – I mean, you've been through it. The pain is unbelievable. Um, you will survive. <laughs> you are. And you, the thing that I would, would tell anyone is that it's temporary. It is temporary. It is one to two days of your life. And no matter how it ends up, it is so worth it. Got in the lift, flung myself over the chair that they tried to put me in. And then the best thing was, was that the walk from the lift to the birthing suite was like paces. I walked in, Phil was already running the bath. I just looked at him and I said, I think I was already taking my clothes off. I was like, can I get in? And he's like, yep. And I just got straight in that water. And I thought that it would be more relaxing than it was because I've seen like, and I've seen videos and I've been in a water birth, like the water is just so soothing. But I think just with posterior, it just doesn't, nothing quite helps. Um, and I was sort of in there pushing. Phil was like, I was like, Phil, I feel like I need to push. And he's like, so push, darling. Don't, don't wish it away, Tori. And in my head, I was like, you are so relaxed right now. Like I could kill you for this. But in hindsight, it was exactly, exactly what I wanted. I was in there for probably half an hour and I just knew, I knew that um, it wasn't quite time to push. And he said, you can check yourself. You, you know what you're doing. You're a doula. And I said, well, I can't feel anything. And But I was so scared to be checked and be told that I was like four centimetres because when he came to our house hours before, it was so disheartening and I I was at a point where like if they told me you're four centimeters mm. I would have just given up I would have been like hook me up I'm done whatever cut me open I can I physically have nothing left um he checked me and he said you're a good eight so I got out of the bath onto the bed he checked me he said you're a good eight centimeters the relief was don't you wish they could just check everything you in there as well oh and then he tried to turn the baby he told me this afterwards and I was like oh like no 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 he's and then he knew that as you've experienced, be like posterior labor, getting from eight centimeters to 10 is, it's a really, really awful process. And um, he knew that I just needed something. And he said, I think you just need to get a bit off your face. 
And I said, yes. And I thought at that point, I think I said to Chris, like, can someone just hit me over the head with a baseball bat? Like anything. Um, and I hadn't tried anything at this point. So he gave me the gas. Gas is heaven. I thought Some it would be so it. crappy. I actually did not expect to like it. Loved it. I was shocked as well at how effective it was. It doesn't take away pain. It just makes you, I think for me, classic, classic Tory, I was really in my head. I was worried about the baby because I know that um, contractions cause stress on a baby and the relief in between is what gives them a chance to have that blood flow come back. And I thought this baby has, these contractions are so full on. There's very little break in between. This baby must be exhausted. Um, They checked the baby's heartbeat. Several times I asked for that, like that was something that I really needed. And every time, like if the baby was cool, I was like, great. And I was so lucky the baby did not have any distress. So the gas was great. It was like I was drunk. Chris was like, drunk Tory's back in the house. (laughs) Um, Didn't take away the pain, but just what it did was, was take me out of my head, um, which is what I needed because I think I was starting to get more and more anxious that something would go wrong. It was, a, I think it's a fear of every woman, Um, but I was... I knew going into my birth that if I started to focus on that, I'd get in my own way and um, push. I was, you know, started to push. It was definitely time. Um, was not prepared for that ring of fire. I thought, I actually thought, <laughs> here's me. I thought I would like pushing because I, at least you're then at a point where you have something to do. But the, I, the, the feeling of pushing and having the head come down was, because she turned as I pushed, um, it was so awful that I was like I don't want to do that again don't make me push into that but you have to there's only one way to get through it and um I got to a point where I was like because what happened was another midwife came in and they're sort of having quiet words to each other and I looked at them she didn't like introduce herself to me in my head I was like is she gonna fucking say hello I was so (laughs) angry at that point like I was really quite fierce I was in that bath like kind of glaring at people I think you're you're really primal you're like you you need to protect yourself and your baby and um Chris said he looked across at them as well and both of us internally thought the same thing we thought they were were gonna be like she's been pushing too long we need to get her out of the bath we need because oh my god they're gonna take her out of the bath where things are gonna progress and um eventually I I said to her, are you here because there's something wrong? <laughs> and she said, she had an Irish accent, she said, no, I'm here because you're going to have your baby, darling. And I was like, oh. And, um, you and just then, went from one like extreme to the yeah. other. <laughs> and then Phil said, your baby's got a lot of hair. And that's when I was like, it's on. Push, push, push. Her head came out. Well, the head came out. And because my contractions were endless and linked, I there was no like – break oh that's right before while her head was coming out most births I've been at when the head is crowning they get you to stop and pant and just let everything stretch out and I remember saying to Phil I was like Phil aren't you gonna tell me to stop and pant and he was like nah and I was so I pissed love him. I was like give me the break like I wanted the panting nah um head came out and then I was still going and then just the whole body came out there was no head then body everything at once and I just picked up my baby and took my baby to my chest and my world cracked open. I have never felt such euphoria in my life. I howled. I I had an out-of-body experience. The relief of the of the pain being over, the relief of my baby being safe in my arms, the pure ecstasy of 
birthing a child and having a baby that was ours, it was, I, I couldn't control myself. And it, like I went on and then it was like a good 10 minutes went by. Um, and then I said, is it a boy or a girl? In my head, I was like, it's totally a girl. It's, it's a girl. It's got to be a girl. I just knew this, this is my daughter. And it was really funny because Phil said, oh, well, check in between the legs and you'll see a pair of balls. And I think he's he, his way, it was him being like, well, if it's a boy, you'll see balls. And if it's a girl. But in my head, I thought he said, well, it's a boy. And I was like, well, he's just ruined to the gender surprise. But also, really? I just couldn't believe it. I was like, surely not. And then I lifted her up and I saw her little vagina. And I just, all I could say was I knew it was her. I knew it was her. And I just sobbed. And it was the most beautiful, beautiful moment. I held her in my arms and... It was just incredible. And then um, after about 20 minutes, they said, oh, you know, um, how do you want to do your third stage, which is birthing your placenta? And he said, do you want – because often they'll give you, like, syntocin. And he's like, do you want – I was like, well, no, like, I've come this far. Do I have to? Just push the baby out. He said, no. I said, are are we in a rush or anything? Because, you know, it's a public hospital. They might have needed to get someone. He said, no. So I just stayed in the bath and he said, "You'll, you'll know when it's coming. Another contraction came along and I was like, oh, no, not again. But it was fine. It was like, <laughs> came out. Um, and that was wild because the placenta is huge. It's such it's a, so impressive. It's so weird. It's, it's an organ. You just can't expect that, like, that was inside it. Like, baby yeah. comes out and then that. It's like you're giving birth to two. I've seen a few. I've taken one home to my fridge for a client who wanted to get it encapsulated. So I've been around a few placentas. Um, but seeing the one come out of you and knowing that that kept your baby alive, oh, it was just wild. Then I just... Hopped out of the bath, felt completely fine, exhausted, and um, just got onto the bed and popped her. She started doing the breast call like straight away, popped her on the boob. She latched. It was pure, just, oh. There's a photo, I, um, and we'll post a few few photos. Um, everything Tori described is actually captured, which is amazing there's a few photos yeah beautiful photos captured um but my favorite one I mean the one of you holding her um when you're in the bath with her like I don't think I've cried I don't think well I didn't even cry after Hunter but like I cried after your birth um and the photo of you there's one that Chris has Izzy and then your placenta is still attached your umbilical cord and placenta all still attached um Oh, yeah. And it's on the bed and you're in the background and you're just lying on the bed and you have your eyes closed and you have this smile on your face and it was just like your whole world was complete. You were just like lying there. It, it was it's a, it's a serenity, pure bliss. Yeah. You were just blissed out um, and that's pretty special after birth to just be. I'm so fortunate. You were yeah. just blissed out and to see that I think um, – I think it's really important for for women and for men um, to hear that, like, that there's so much. It's funny because when I've spoken about my birth, people get so relieved to hear that, you know, birth doesn't always go the way that you think it's going to be. It's not like a romanticised ending. But then you also don't get to hear... There are positive stories. The too. positive stories, and you don't want to go out. into birth fearful. I you think you just to need to know that it, it's just going to go how it'll go. It can go either way, but I think it's beautiful to see and hear that. It's just as important because birth is birth. Yeah, so true. Um, um, and you and Chris left the hospital five hours later. Four, four hours later, we got out. I, I waddled over to the bed. She was still attached. <laughs> 
um, to the um, cord, Chris cut the cord. Uh, they came and did tests. I can't remember if it was before or after. So I really wanted those golden hours. I wanted that time uninterrupted. I did not want her removed from me. I needed to have her on my chest. Um, again, I, I do want to say that I was very, very fortunate to be able to have that. And I know that a lot of women have, are separated from their babies for a multitude of reasons. So I just um, – I respect your journey so much if that was you if you're listening and and you didn't get that I'm so sorry that you couldn't um but I am sharing my story and I was very lucky to have that time and um I remember afterwards Phil said to us because I was so drained I'd vomited all day I had I couldn't even keep down water there is no easy way to birth like no no easy way to birth I had nothing left all I'd had was hydrolyte and even that I spewed and then he said do you guys want to and he's like, beautiful accent. Do you want a cup of tea? And I remember, I'm not even a big tea person, but I was like, that sounds so good. And they came back with a hot tea, but also a toasted cheese sandwich. <gasps> I've never eaten anything so good in my life. <laughs> and then, I, uh, being classic Tory, I was still hungry. And I was like, we have to order a pizza. <laughs> Chris was like, no, no, no. We'll, you know, I think we're going to go home. So we'll wait till we go home. I was like, I'm not waiting another few hours. So we actually ordered a pizza and ate pizza in the bed with our newborn baby. Where did you get pizza from? There was a place around yeah, the corner. Too. I birthed there at 8.30. Probably oh, got the pizza at like, right. so I was only there for two hours. Got there at 6.30, had birthed her by 8.30 and then we went home. Like, you were home by 1am. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, she, she, I was very lucky. She scored like nine on the APGAR test a minute after birth or five minutes after birth, whatever it is. And they came and they did all the tests and she was a healthy, happy girl and um, so we we left and it was really funny because we got out the hospital and the car was still there where we'd parked it in like the emergency, like right out the front. <laughs> we just hopped in the car and went home and it was so weird. It's like taking a puppy home. It was hours after we birthed. It's, you feel like you've stolen something and you're taking it home and you're like, I keep you. Like, and it's, it's something that like you can't return. Um that's your sole responsibility. It's just such a – I found it – I find it, even when I think about it now, such a weird, and I describe it as weird, moment of like you've just birthed a child and then you put it in the car and you go home and get on with your life. It was – to be on. do you know what's really funny? And I totally relate to that. But for us, Chris kept saying, this isn't weird. And I was like, I know, this isn't weird. It didn't feel weird for us. Yeah. It felt like so normal. And we just hopped into bed. And fell asleep. And I was, for like a week at least, I couldn't put her in the um, her cot, her snoo. I, I, I could only sleep with her on me. I know you're not meant to do that, but I just couldn't. I felt – and I was on – You're meant to do whatever you want to do. You're meant to do – also, my hormones were so – it was like I'd taken like pure ecstasy, like really good MDMA or something because I was high as a kite for a good week afterwards. I remember Chris on like day five sat me down and was like, you got to get some sleep. Like you're gonna you're gonna lose it, but I was so happy. The hormones were so strong. I I I was crazy just, cat mum. I was crazy cat mum. <laughs> I was so happy. I couldn't sleep. I didn't even I was wasn't even really that interested in food. All I wanted to do was just be with my baby, and I was high as a cat. But I did recognize that if I don't sleep soon, things things might not go so well. Um, but that yeah, that was my that was my birth story. And here you are, 12 weeks later. 12 weeks later. And how's she going? And we called her Isabella and um, we gave her my middle name, which is also a middle name that belongs to aunties and cousins. It was my nana's name. It's a name that's been passed down through generations. 
um, Odine, which is sort of like from our um, northern heritage, like Danish heritage. It's o- Odine is like the feminine of Odin. It's got to the do Viking Vikings, god of Odin. Yeah. And um, Very strong. we I never changed my name when we got married and throughout my whole pregnancy it was sort of like the joke amongst our friends, you know, what what last name will your baby have? Um I I never really minded. I just never wanted it to be assumed that the baby would have Chris's name because that didn't feel fair to me, particularly when women and I went through a fair bit in my pregnancy. I just I think it's a bit of a cheap shot to just assume that the baby would have the man's name um you know without even a discussion for me that was really important that Chris could be open to either and of course he was um but I didn't mind really how we ended up I was pretty open to hyphenating Chris was not into that and after we had her it was funny it was the next day or two days later we were lying in bed and kind of you know you debrief on the birth because you're like whoa like you just no that's right we weren't even talking about it I was lying there looking at her and then I looked over to Chris. <laughs> he was just looking up at the ceiling, like crying. I was like, are you okay? And Chris is a very emotional He's man. He's <laughs> so sentimental. He's like a big bear, um, so masculine looking, but also the most sentimental. And he'll cry in like every movie. Um, and he just turned to me and he said, I can't believe you did that. He was so proud of me. And he just said, I want her to have your name. I want our daughter to be um, an empowered woman. And I think. Like, let's start now. Chris isn't someone that says something in the moment as well. Like, when he says something, he means it. Oh, too. yeah, he like, would never take that He back. wouldn't just be saying that to me, like, in that moment of watching your woman do what she, what she did. Like, he's someone that he would have been thinking about that for the two days prior, you know? You're right. So we have Isabella Odin Clapham, and she is – she's such a daddy's girl already. Oh, my God. And Chris is – the most incredible father. I mean, he's with her right now. He, you know, it, it, it is very much a shared um, a shared responsibility with us and he, um, I, the love no, knows no bounds, but like seeing, as, as you've experienced, like seeing your man become a father um, or your partner or your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, whoever you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have a child and you're lucky enough to do it with someone else, seeing that other person in the partnership with you become a parent is so... You look at them differently. You look at them differently and you go through it together and, like, you're either going to fight or you're going to get closer together. And we've been really good at um, – it, it has strengthened us and I didn't – like, we, you know, we've been through so many different things and every time it just makes us stronger. And, you know, you see – you have that moment when you're a parent where the baby's just screaming and you can recognise it in your partner that they might be about to just get really frustrated. So you just walk over and go, here, let let me take her, like give yourself a second. Brett and I have a a rule in the house and it's communicate and execute. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's very formal. Game day. (laughs) (laughs) Our house is like a training program. No, no, no. It's it's communicate and then execute because it's so easy to just build up frustration um, and expect the other, the other partner, whether it's, you know, mom or dad or whoever, to read the signs and you want them to pick up on the signs but you're not saying what you really need. And um, it happened a couple of times where I was just hoping, like, Brett would just realise what I want and just, like, do it out of, like, his own, you know, common sense. Like, this yep. is what Beck needs. And there were a few times, like, it didn't happen. I'd be like, well, fucking, like, can't you see that I'm drowning in this? And he was like, if you just tell me, I'll help you. 
hundred percent. Like just, just tell me what you want. And so now it's like communicate and execute. It's and so important, particularly as parents. Yeah. Just follow through. And the follow through is a big one yeah, too. The, the execute. Through. I like that. Well, like, I think, you know, I don't want to, um, make, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Generalizations, but often men won't always do what women want them to do on their own volition. Or um, how they want them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> how they want them to do it. But Chris has said to me, like, I will honestly, I will do anything you want. I will do anything you want, but you just need to tell me. And he is like, he is that man. Like he will. Except come home from the pub when they say they're going to do Just won't do that one. (laughs) They're so shit at that. Um, But yeah, that's, um, I'm a mummy now and I. We get to be mums together. You wouldn't have thought, well, this time last year, you were just about to fall pregnant. I know. I wasn't. I wasn't even pregnant yet and I look back like I look back at our wedding anniversary last year and I was so sad that I wasn't pregnant and there's so many times that I look back on on last year and you know like Instagram feeds you and Facebook feeds you the memories and I'm like I look at them and I'm like you had no idea what was just around the corner. I think that's like a lot of things in life if only you knew. You just got to hang on and oh and again like you know I obviously did not have a super hard journey um but it it, it still wasn't easy to go through and I hope that if there's anybody out there who's trying to conceive right now, whether they're in that two-week wait or, um, you know, day of ovulation or they've just gotten their period, um, you just you never know what's around the corner. And also don't be afraid to get help. Um, we will put up um, all the information that we've kind of... Monash. Oh. Monash and we'll even give our physio's recommendation yes. um, in the links because resources are... They're there for you. They're there for you. Um, and Monash, Monash was free. It's a free service. Yes. Is, I could, so honestly, I think that's really important for the, people to know yeah. because I think... It's available um, to anyone. With fertility and seeking the next step, people are so worried about finances. Um, and admitting that there's something wrong, I think as well, it's kind of like it's almost you're surrendering to the fact that you do need help and I think that can be hard, particularly, um, you know, when you've got friends left, right and centre, um, you know, just whoops, slipped on a penis and here I am, knocked up. Um, but, like, I mean, my one regret is maybe even not, not doing it sooner. I, mean, I wouldn't change a thing, but, like, don't – an app doesn't know when you're ovulating. It's in the blood. I've always said that. Get your blood tested. Your fo- your app on your phone could be so wrong. Um, you know, you can you can map out your period, and the length of my cycle didn't change. My ovulation days did. Like, this, there's so much more at play. So, that's definitely an important one to remember. Should we do? Oh our yes, final? Our, we'll wrap things up with our feel fucking awesome moment. Um, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, I. Um, Sort of, sort of based on my pregnancy, I, I um, tried to create some content around um, pubic symphysis dysfunction um, because I felt really lost when I realised that that was happening to me, and it felt to me as though um, felt like a death sentence. It felt like I wasn't going to be able to do anything. I wasn't going to be able to exercise. I was going to be in really bad pain. It is something that gets worse over time, and I felt pretty lost um, when. I first had it diagnosed, but I realise now that if you're proactive and if you put in the work and you stay strong and you stay fit and you see a physio regularly and you work on, you know, doing your, your releases, that it does not have to end that way and you, you can have a positive experience. Um, so I've, you know, sort of designed some content around um, helping people who are experiencing that on our online platform and I had someone message me the other week um, and she said 
honestly, like you've helped me so much. You've, you've changed the way I'm experiencing pain now. Like I'm pain free. I've, I, you know, I didn't even know that I needed to see a physio. So thank you for putting it out there. And it's one of those things where you're like, should I put this out there? You know, uh, uh, is, is it going to be helpful? And then you, you, and I've had a few messages like that around the PSD content and it really did make me feel awesome. So um, yeah, thanks for messaging me. Um, mine's kind of a little bit work related as well, I guess, in a sense. Um, I taught a class, um, a sunrise class. So we teach, I teach 6am, um, two days a week down at Maroubra, um, outside and we get to watch the sunrise. And one of my beautiful clients sent me a photo, um, of her gratitude journal after the class and had put me as something that she's grateful for, um, which was really beautiful because we put so much energy into our classes and our clients. And when someone takes the time to appreciate, um, what you, what you've offered them and given them, it's really, it makes it, I mean, it's worth it anyway, but hearing it just, it's something that we actually have as part of our um, program when we're instruct, when we bring new instructors on is positive reinforcement. And if you, if you see it, say Say it. it. Um, And I think that's really important. If there's someone out there making you feel good, tell them. Oh, it does make such a difference. And particularly if, if you're in a service profession, you're actually, without wanting to sound dramatic, like you're giving a part of yourself it's almost it's almost like it's to your detriment when you give other people your energy or your this or your that and and when people appreciate it it's 100 percent. so awesome. i mean like that night i barely i had like i've had pretty good sleep hunter was pretty good but he woke up a couple of times i remember waking up being like oh like am i still teaching 6 a.m classes even though every single time i start teaching them i love them um but to get that i was just like oh that's right. That's why you do what you do. This is why I still love doing what I do. So that was it. But um, thanks for listening, guys. And thanks for asking me about my story, babe. You're very welcome. Thanks for sharing it. Love ya. Love ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> we never know how to sign off. <laughs>